You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here, and you are listening to the 93rd episode of the Music Growth Talks podcast. My guest today is Chris Crawford, the CEO of Lauda. We've been talking quite a bit about sync licenses on the show lately, so now it's time to cover seemingly unexciting but in truth extremely important world of mechanical licensing. And uh, this has been rather confusing worlds uh, in the US in particular, and Lauda has been fixing it for the whole music industry making it easier for artists, digital distributors and aggregators and music services to identify rights holders, secure mechanical licenses and pay royalties to music publishers. Chris, who used to work as a part of the iTunes team at Apple, has a ton of fascinating stuff to share on on the topic. Uh, From the way issues are sold in the Bay Area, to how licensing works overall, to how their new API makes things even easier than before. If you're an artist and have uh, either used or heard of Lauda, most probably it's CD Baby or another distributor, this is a must-listen episode, just so you have a better understanding of uh, how you may benefit from the platform. And if you are a music company or a startup, I highly recommend you to listen to this uh, show in full as well. Needless to say, if you are a publisher or a songwriter, uh, this is extremely important because this is uh, how you are going to make more money potentially. Um, find the show notes at datamusic.com or musicgrowthtalks.com as usual for the links and uh, all the details. And uh, as a side note, consider becoming my patron at patreon.com forward slash Epanov to access podcast episodes like this one before anyone else and for numerous other perks. Look up my name, Andrew Epanov at patreon.com. Thank you and here we go. Chris, welcome to Music Growth Talks. I'm excited to have you as a guest on the show. Uh, you let me know how are you doing today. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So it looks like both of us are not admitted. I just realized that it's happening as we speak. Do you have anyone from the company attending the conference? Unfortunately, no. We are based in San Francisco and we couldn't make the trip out to France this year. But at the very least, you have quite a few interesting events happening in San Francisco throughout the year with the music tech community, right? Yes. How do I mean, we're definitely going to talk a lot about your product today, but how do you feel about uh, the music tech scene in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley overall? I mean, it's a vague question a little bit, but there is a lot of different industry represented clearly, but... Do you see lots of interesting things coming out of the area lately? Yeah, it's interesting. In the Bay Area, every problem that you look at is through a technology lens. And so often technology companies here in the Bay Area, instead of looking at other companies in their industry, their specific industry, they're looking at how other technology companies solve problems in other industries. So from building a company, it's exciting because we look at these problems in music and music metadata and we say, well, 
how are the other guys do it from a technology standpoint? Are we using the best technology to try to solve this problem? Are we using the most cost-effective way to scale this problem? And so the music technology industry here, even though the music industry is very small in San Francisco, the tech solutions are very creative. And I think you see a lot of things come out of San Francisco that are, are just totally different than what you see in other parts of the US and other parts of the world. That's really cool. And I think that in a number of areas in the music industry, some companies and players need to be looking outside of just their surroundings. So that's really cool that you can get some inspiration from other industries here, working on your own technical problems and solutions and your own platform, Lauda, which I would like to ask to maybe introduce to us a little bit. Also, at the same time, I wanted to ask about your background, because I'm quite fascinated by what you've been doing. So do you mind kind of combining it, telling us a little bit about yourself and the company? Yeah, absolutely. So Louder came about because when I was back in college, I used to be in a collegiate acapella group. We used to sing all vocal versions of our favorite songs. And uh, after graduating college, I started working at Apple for iTunes and specifically working on marketing promotions for the iTunes store. And back then, this was when iTunes was not the number one music store in the US. So there was an underdog mentality there. And we were constantly looking, how can we make iTunes better? How can we make it accessible to more users? And as I was looking around the store, I realized there were very few acapella groups represented on the store. And the reason was that selling cover songs in the United States is very, very challenging from a rights perspective. That to have an album that you make available for download, you need to secure a mechanical license with the songwriters or the publishers who represent those songwriters. And what makes it even more challenging is that these days, something is rarely just represented by one person. So for example, if you're doing a cover of a hip hop song, it may have 12 different writers and representation from 12 different publishers. And this problem is just multiplied when you take your typical acapella group that does an album of 10 to 12 tracks that are different songs. So it's very rare that you get an acapella album that is all covers of the Beatles, right? But instead you have basically like a compilation of just that group's favorite songs. So all those factors contributed to um, this whole community of music not being available in the digital world because of rights issues. And that's when the idea hit me, well, wouldn't it be cool to centralize this experience and build a platform where anybody can come, they can share the music that they've recorded, we will secure the rights, and then we will deliver the content to the store. And then every time tracks are sold on that store, we will pay the songwriters automatically and then do a revenue share with the artist. And that, the time we thought that would open up this world of music creation in a legal way. And that was the very start of Louder. Awesome. And when was it? 
This was in 2009. Originally, when we started the company and we focused purely on acapella groups, we called it Acapella Records to make it sound like the most legitimate thing in acapella at the time. <laughs> and also because the domain acapellarecords.com was available. That's a good uh, reason. Uh, yeah. But we, uh, over the years, as we opened it up to more genres of music, and we realized that nobody knew how to spell acapella, we decided to change our name to Louder. Okay. That's an interesting story. I didn't know about that. So now you're huge. So it's, I mean, you have uh, this solution, which I have some more questions about, and you work with some really big players in the industry as well. So can you mention where you are right now and what kinds of uh, companies and distribution companies in particular you work with? Absolutely. So originally, our plan to make this accessible was we were being the licensing agent the digital distributor, and the royalty administration company. And what we wanted was to take our licensing and administration technology and get it in the hands of as many users as possible. So to do that, what we did was we sold our distribution business. And we sold it to CD Baby last year. And we started doing integrations with some of the biggest and best distribution companies here in the US, as well as a few out there in Europe. And so that has been great for us because it's, it's just opened up the user base significantly. We're seeing a much larger impact across our technology. Some of our partners in the US are uh, DistroKid and CD Baby, as well as SoundDrop. Also in Europe, we power all the mechanical licensing for Zebralution based in Berlin. Yeah, I discovered you when you provided distribution services and uh, I found the move real real, real smart uh, with uh, with CD Baby. Uh, it was really cool to see that you are not limiting the service to just uh, that platform for, but expanding it to, to other distributors. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense and it's good for everyone in the industry, in my opinion. And uh, so right now, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of our listeners, uh, musicians, uh, artists who either have released cover songs or considered releasing cover songs are familiar with your name. And I know personally, uh, because I've heard this from quite a few musicians myself, they, there is still quite some confusion among people over how this thing works, what you do exactly. Some musicians don't even know that they can legally sell their music on uh, digital retail retailers if it's um if it's a cover and not original if they clear the mechanical license and then yeah so it's uh, there is a bit of uh, confusion and i see i think that just educating the music community is required i mean the situation is definitely better than a few years ago but still so right there now for for a musician how exactly it looks like the process so if someone Uh, maybe not necessarily an acapella yeah. act, but uh, but the rock, a metal, and a, a hip hop act did uh, uh, a cover. No samples used, but yeah. So they want it to be distributed, but they don't know how exactly to clear the rights to do so. Absolutely, yeah. So music rights, it's it's very confusing. And to answer your question, I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of the United States, right? And how yeah, it absolutely. Works in the United yeah. States. So for every copyrighted 
recording, there are two copyrights. There's the copyright of the recording, typically owned by the recording artist or the label that they are signed to. And then there's the copyright of the composition, which is typically controlled by the composer or the publishing company that that composer is signed to. And so when you want to distribute a cover song in the US, that is a song for which you control the recording. You own everything about the recording, but you don't control the composition. So I'm glad you said no samples or anything like that, because yes, when you incorporate samples, then you don't control the complete recording. You need rights for those various samples. But let's take a scenario where you've created the recording of your favorite song and you've done every bit of that from scratch. You've recorded every line and done every instrumental, for example. To secure a license with the composer or the publishing company, there are a few different procedures to work with a publishing company to basically create a contract, a contract that says every time I distribute this, you will receive a portion of the money. And whereas in the outside of the US, it, it tends to be based on a percentage of wholesale in the US is a set rate. And that rate is called the, uh, the statutory mechanical royalty rate. And that rate is 9.1 cents. Uh, if your cover song is under five minutes, or it's 1.75 cents times the number of minutes if it's above five minutes. And that is the rate no matter what you sell that song for. So that means if it's 99 cents on iTunes, um, it's the same rate. If you sell it for, if you convince someone to pay $100 on Bandcamp, it's still the 9.1 cents rate. And also, if you give it away for free, it's still the 9.1. That's important part right. as well. Yeah, because yeah, um, good you mentioned. That's basically how it works. And those two copyrights, the copyright of the recording and the copyright of the composition, basically tell the story of money flow throughout the music industry. Yeah. Because they're basically a lot of companies that are built around money for recordings <laughs> and there's then the other side that's built around money for compositions yeah and so if you look in today's climate with the various class action lawsuits against people like spotify or the the settlements it's that exists because some of the streaming services they have the rights to use the recording because they are receiving that from the labels or from the distribution companies but then they are responsible for securing the rights to the composition. And sometimes they've been unable to do that. Right. And that's why, that's why this is in the news. And uh, for the user of distribution platforms, how exactly it looks like in a nutshell uh, in terms of using your platform? So, for, I mean, CD Baby. So a musician can just choose or just follow the instructions uh, at the platform and uh, it's all built in into CD Baby in this case? Yes. So our goal when we work with partners is to make the process as seamless as possible for the user. Today with CD Baby, it is built in for singles. DistroKid is built in for everything. 
SoundDrop is built in for everything. And the way it works is you go onto the platform and when you want to distribute a cover song, there is a place to check a box that says this is a cover song. And, and then you enter some additional information. And it will work for any cover song or only something that is available in the database? That's a great question. You can uh, apply for a license with any cover song. However, a license can only be secured if the original version of that song has been released commercially in the United States. Right. Clear. And before we move on to some other related topics, so uh, any exceptions or particular cases to this? For example, when uh, an artist wants to make a small change to one of the lines in the lyrics, is it something they need to worry about or just they can just go ahead and distribute if the, if the difference is minor, it's nothing, nothing to worry about? Or what are the situations where an artist needs to go to the publisher, to the to, um, right holders? of the song? Yeah, great question. And this is, a, this is a good time for me to disclose that I'm not a lawyer um, <laughs> and, and that none of this is, is legal advice. And if there are certain points, if you are changing, if you're changing a composition, that is a good time when it makes sense to speak to a lawyer or seek out some legal advice. Because the truth is, it, it depends. It depends yeah. on on the situation. And in my experience, different publishers view it differently, depending on their, their relationship with their songwriters. Some, the songwriters don't mind, you know, a license is a license. And um, the more the song gets out there, the better. Others take the opposite view where they, they really want to preserve the full integrity of the composition as it was written. And so any changes to the composition require specific approval and typically a special negotiated license for an additional fee. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tricky area, I understand, and it's definitely not something that, yeah, the, that may have a, a very distinctive and single answer, but I appreciate you sharing some advice here. I should add a note at the beginning of the podcast somewhere that none of uh, what is said on this podcast is legal advice because I'm definitely a <laughs> lawyer myself. Um, yeah, I, I made, made a note on, on that myself. So um, that's clear. I appreciate what you've shared uh, as a very practical advice to musicians. What about the offer for businesses and for companies? I'm yeah. also curious uh, to learn a little bit more about uh, the, um, the recent news I've read about the API changes you've, uh, you've made. Mm -hmm. But overall, like who, like we have some listeners who are music startups and people in the industry. So I'm and this is for me somewhat a banal question here, but what kinds of a business may be interested in using your services to start with? Absolutely. So the types of businesses that love to use our technology are distribution companies and distribution companies, the ones in the US, it's primarily around cover songs, but the distribution companies outside of the US are interested in securing these types of licenses for absolutely everything in the catalog. Mm -hmm. So working with Louder, which is a technology solution, makes that value proposition much stronger because the way we work with companies, both inside and outside the US, is to plug into our API mm -hmm. and to send requests. And it, the communication happens in real time when, the, when we receive the requests, it goes through a 
linking or a matching process inside our database. We've built a lot of algorithms to build confidence between various sound recordings and various compositions. And a lot of it is built around relationships. And this has been sort of the the big secrets of our technology are how all those connections are made. Mm -hmm. And uh, just like when you listen to Pandora and uh, the Pandora algorithm gets to know you through your various inputs, your thumbs up, your thumbs down, your song choices, the louder algorithm gets to know certain sound recordings and certain compositions based on all the relationships and all the connections and all the inputs. And so this works really well at scale and it works really well as music creation continues to explode. It's, it's never been easier to create music because the technology tools are suddenly much more accessible and much more affordable, which is great. It also means that for the, the big platforms, the big streaming platforms, that by the end of this year, they will be releasing around a million new sound recordings every month. And those all need to be licensed. And so we have designed our API in a way that we believe not only solves the problem of putting the correct license in place as efficiently as possible, but also we demonstrate what link we've made between the sound recording and the composition so the information about the composition can also be incorporated into the streaming service, hmm. something that we feel is a, a real um, missed opportunity is to take great information around a song and use it to build a better consumer experience around listening to music. So, you know, for example, wouldn't it be cool if through Siri or Alexa or Google Home, you could say things like, play me songs written by Bob Dylan. Um, yeah. Because he's done, he's done many, many great songs that where they're wonderful, wonderful covers. Or I particularly like Randy Newman's songs when he's not singing, <laughs> for example. Because <laughs> I think he's an amazing, amazing songwriter. I've never been the biggest fan of his voice. And so we feel that the, the more clean data that exists throughout these services, the better the user experience will be. And the more freedom these technology companies have to delight their users with cool experiences. That sounds amazing and impressive. And it would sound like that to anyone who at least a little bit about the kind of mess of the, the industry is facing with metadata and licenses and all the things that you mentioned. So what you are doing here is really important. So how have you seen, uh, how has it been working so far? I don't think you introduced it uh, a long time ago. So how is it, have you seen a particular feedback from the new API yet? Yeah, so far our clients love it because it just provides more information. I don't think I've... Uh... I've ever met a client that when you give them more information, they're disappointed. So we're very pleased with that. In terms of how it's being used, every client uses it differently. It's still, still early days for us in terms of the information really being incorporated into services. So it's tough to say just the, the full impact. 
but so far so good. There's cool. still, when it comes to licensing music and especially establishing the connections between recordings and compositions, a lot of it is like a, um, like a detective investigation for, for some of the, some of the more obscure songs. And so we've also built a lot of technologies around researching and discovering all the participants of certain compositions. And the mm -hmm. internet has made that much easier, but at the same time, there's just so much music out there that there are so many compositions that we're constantly filling in bits of this jigsaw puzzle about how everything maps together. And so that, that keeps it exciting, but also that it just keeps us very, very busy as there's just so much music out yeah. there. Cool. So you're, you're basically making some people in this industry mess with spreadsheets less than before from what I hear. <laughs> yes, that's true. We, um, I think Microsoft Excel still might be the application I use the most as CEO, but but yes, we are no we are no longer using Excel spreadsheets for doing any sort of uh, research or any sort of licensing. That all happens through our platform, which is stored on the cloud and built in Python. That's big. I I, I think that not everyone who may be uh, related to this technology some somehow in one way or another may understand the impact of what you are doing, but I expect your work to be even louder in the coming months and years. So uh, yeah, so you're working on some some proper things uh, over here. Do you have any upcoming plans that you can share with us that are not secret and can be revealed? Even just, you know, tease us a little bit on what uh, you are going to work on in the nearest future? I can't talk about any specifics right now just because we do we do want to keep that stuff pretty secret. But conceptually, I can say that what's important to us, the reason we're doing this at all, is that building a company in San Francisco, we've learned about how difficult it is for people to build solutions around music. And it's because there's this underlying lack in the infrastructure which compensates the right musicians. And we're seeing it, the bigger problem today being in compensating the right songwriters when it comes to interactive streams. Hmm. And unfortunately, when you have a core part of the infrastructure broken, it makes it very difficult for other people to build strong businesses in this environment. And so it is our dream and our vision to fix that broken piece in the infrastructure so that every music company, every music entrepreneur, every musician can be more successful because there is reliance that the plumbing for the industry works and that when you create something and you, you release it, that you will be fully compensated for that. And we believe that when that happens, It's also going to open up the world of investment in and around music, because right now, right now, it's very challenging. Anything to do with the music industry, even now here in San Francisco, investors don't want to touch because right. of these concerns around rights. Yeah. And so all of the work that we're doing is to eliminate those concerns around rights to make 
rights acquisition and royalty administration as streamlined, efficient, and accurate as possible so that the whole industry can be more successful and we can see more money flowing through to all participants. Awesome. You've got a big and very, very important mission here. So good luck with everything you do. I'll keep an eye on on your developments and uh, we're looking forward to hearing some cool news from you, even if it may be more on the B2B side for some musicians but it's like really it's it's it is impacting everyone in the music industry so thank you and uh before we wrap it up uh, what's can you spell out uh, the url for uh those listeners of ours who are in the goal and maybe mention the best way to contact you yes so our url is louder.fm that's l-o-u-d-r.fm we lost the e somewhere along the road But we're also, our Twitter handle is also Louder. And on um, we're on Facebook at Louder FM. And uh, the best way to reach us, to reach our team, is to, uh, to drop us a line at support at louder.fm. That goes to our, our entire communications team. And uh, if you have any, any questions about how we operate or if you have an upcoming project that you need help with, on the licensing side and don't know where to to go please feel free to contact us brilliant thank you thank you so much for having me andrew thanks chris thank you the listener i hope you've learned something new on how mechanical licensing works and what louder does exactly for more information check out their website and uh, as a reminder it's integrated into city baby and some other distribution companies if you have any questions ask them on soundcloud apple Podcasts, or patreon if you're a patron it's also a place where I can give you more detailed feedback on anything related to the topic of mechanical licensing on anything uh, about music industry, really. Uh, and yeah, if you are interested in the Louder's offering, then I recommend you using their contact form at the louder.fm website. Thanks a lot for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.